Hey, before we get into episode 17 of Katie's Corner, I always, there's always at least one time a week I'm about to say the one podcast name and it's not the right one. So, you know, we'll just roll with it though. Episode 17 of Katie's Corner coming up. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at SeatGeek. It's a great summer and there's still a lot of great concerts to go to, a lot of great sporting events, great stuff at SPAC, great stuff going on with Various baseball teams around the area, like the, like the Mets out in Syracuse, Tri-City Valley Cats are still going on, whole bunch of stuff. And if you want to get in on the action, you can do it at a discount with SeatGeek.com. That's right. Go to our friends at SeatGeek.com. Use the promo code GOZ, G-O-Z. Any ticket purchase over 50 bucks, I'll get you 20 bucks off. That's right. SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app. If your total ticket buy is over $50, put in the promo code GOZ at checkout. That's G-O-Z and save yourself some money enjoying the summer. Courtesy of Godzilla Media and SeatGeek as you can get $20 off any ticket purchase over 50 bucks. Also, Make sure you check out the Albany Empire as it is a very early Friday morning, July the 29th, as I am recording this. Uh, when you can't sleep, you do the podcast that you couldn't do the day before. That's exactly right. Um, so the Empire hosts the Jacksonville Sharks in National Arena League football action this Saturday night at the MVP Arena, downtown Albany. Go check it out. Empire, the number one seed. They're going to try to get it done again, folks. They're going to try to get a chip inside MVP Arena. Go check it out. Uh, for tickets and information, go to AlbanyEmpireNAL.com for details. That being said, uh, no Mohawk Minute this week. Uh, things got a little hectic on me. I've been on, uh, aside from this podcast and my other podcast, I had to be a guest on two other podcasts. And the schedule just caught up with me between that and the three games the Mohawks have this week. So we're just going to do a general update about the perfect game collegiate baseball league. As the playoffs do start this weekend, the playoffs are adopting a 1-1-3 bracket format. So top four teams from each division, and it's one and done for the quarterfinals and the semifinals. And then the winner of the bracket in each division, those two will meet in a best of three series. Uh, so the way the schedule breaks out, essentially, the quarterfinal games will all be Saturday evening. Sunday will be a day off. Monday will be all four, excuse me, uh, both two semifinal games. So basically the divisional championships, if you want to call them that. And then the schedule for the championship series is the only thing that's not completely panned out yet. That is going to depend on the amount of distance between the two teams that reach the league championship series. Uh, so you could have a situation where if they're close enough, they exchange sites for games for the three game set. Um, if they're far, if, but what they have done before is if the two teams meeting in the series are a great distance apart, like opposite sides of the state, let's say, for example, uh, let's just say Amsterdam and Elmira, just as an example. They'll, because Amsterdam has the greater record in this case, they'll go play game one in Elmira, and then game two and possibly game three, if necessary, would be held at Amsterdam, so that the greater record the better record still gets the opportunity to host two games if necessary in the series. Uh, so here's the way things are playing out in the 
East Division. Amsterdam, they clinched the number one seed, won the East Division title about a week and a half ago. Slaven kind of coasting their way into the playoffs, including a win last night against the Utica Blue Sox, which was very important for Utica um, because that meant they could no longer get to the number one seed in the West. We'll touch on that in a moment. The other three teams, the other three spots for the Eastern Division playoffs were officially clinched as of last night with the opening Dutchman losing game one of their doubleheader against Oneonta. So the other three teams will be Mohawk Valley, Socrates, and Oneonta. Oneonta is locked in at the four. So we know one Eastern Division semifinal will be Amsterdam hosting Oneonta Saturday evening. The other one is yet to be determined because if Saugerties wins Friday and Mohawk Valley loses, then Saugerties would be the two seed in the home team. If Mohawk Valley wins or Saugerties loses, then the Diamond Dogs would host the 2-3 matchup against Saugerty. So that's the only thing that needs to be panned out in the East. Um, other East Division news, by the way, Amsterdam Mohawk Briggs Runner goes four for four at the plate, double, triple, single, solo homer. He gets a cycle in just four at-bats last night against the Utica Blue Sox. Psychotic? Something I didn't even see coming, honestly, because I, my brain was kind of all over the place. Uh, during last night's game, especially from like the sixth inning on, there was a lot of moving parts going on. And so Briggs comes up to lead off the bomb of the eighth. If I remember correctly, he led off that bomb of the eighth. And it's a moonshot that just gets past the, I guess gets called the, 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 the Fenway monster type of fence we have in, in left field at Shuttleworth Park. And, I saw them explode out of the dugout, and I like didn't put one and one together. And then I happened to uh, look down as our digital media coordinator at Zumbalo is coming to me, and I'm like, "Holy crap! He just got the cycle!" And he, and Matt's like, "He got the cycle." I'm like, I just, yeah, I just kind of figured that out. So uh, yeah, that was that was kind of funny. Uh, anyways, the West Division. Here's how things are panning out. So we know. The one, two, and three seeds. They're already locked in. Nothing can happen to change that. Batavia, because of Utica's loss last night, they clinched the number one seed in the West. Utica Blue Sox are the two. The Elmira Pioneers will be the three. The situation involving the four seed is as follows. And an Auburn Double Days win or a Geneva Red Wings loss gets Auburn the four seed. But if Geneva wins and Auburn loses the final night of the regular season tonight, then Geneva will get the four seed literally by percentage points in the winning in winning percentage. I it's I, I don't make this up. I'm just that's that's how it pans out. So um so that's the way things are looking there. Um, so, obviously, it's going to be Utica hosting Elmira in the 2-3 match in the West. Batavia is still waiting to find out who they're going to be hosting on Saturday. So, that wraps up <laughs> that update involving the uh, PGCBL. And that's all there is to it in that regard. So, now we're going to move on to the Boston Red Sox. Let's get to some Major League Baseball. Um it's a team that just can't seem to stop the bleeding at this point. It's it's a struggle fest. Seven and seventeen in the month of July. 
with three days left in this in the in the month, which will be three games at home against the Milwaukee Brewers. So it's not going to be any walk of the park for them this weekend. Just to give you an idea, not only are they seven and seventeen this month, they've lost seven of their last nine, which includes the last two games at the Yankees about two weeks ago. The three game sweep they suffered at home to Toronto um, last weekend after the All Star break, and then losing and then splitting four against the Guardians this past uh, Monday through Thursday. So it's it, it, they've hit a rough, very rough patch right now, have the Red Sox, and they're at a point where. Where do you go from here? Trevor Story's still on the 10-day IL. Devers is on the IL still. Kike's on the IL. Arroyo is on the IL. Um, Rich Hill, Michael Walker, all still on the injured list. Where do you go from here? Do you consider selling pieces? Because now you're down to 50 and 50. You're in last place by half a game in the AL East. Um, you're technically only... Three and a half, uh, let's see here. You're technically only four games out of the wild card. Seattle sitting at 54 and 46 for the second wild card spot. Tampa Bay just a half game behind at 53 and 46. And then we have Cleveland at 50 and 48, Baltimore at 50 and 49. And then you get Boston at 50 and 50, the White Sox at 49 and 49. So Boston is technically still in this right now. As they're only six games behind, uh, excuse me, um, four games behind. They're only four games behind the second wild card spot. I, uh, it's just a weird spot because we're talking about whether or not Boston wants to go all in to get a wild card spot. Because let's just face it, um, despite the troubles of their own in the Bronx, Boston's not catching the Yankees. They're not going to make up 17 games in two months because there's no way they're going to have two months in a row like they had in June where Boston, oh, what was it? What was their June like? It was it was something absurd, 20 and 6. You're not going to see Boston go 20 and 6 or better in August and September. It's just not happening. So now the question becomes, do you, do you go all in and try to acquire a piece to get you into the wild cards? Do you stay put and hope what you have now with the injured players coming back eventually gets you into the wild cards? Or do you get to a point where you're like, or oh, I can't even win this division. The odds of us making the World Series are like... So slim, it's not even funny. In fact, according to baseball reference, the odds of them making it to the postseason are just 16%. To win the World Series is not even one half of 1%. That lays it all out for you, according to the percentages. So do you get to a point where option C becomes, do you start selling pieces? Do you start uh, putting J.D. Martinez's name out there? Now, granted, we're three days away from the trade deadline. In fact, 6 p.m. August the 2nd. So we're, excuse me, we're four days away from the trade deadline. So we're 96, we're 108 hours based on me recording this at actually 5 a.m. Eastern time on Friday, July the 29th. So we're 109 hours away from the MLB trade deadline, August 2nd, 6 p.m. There's been zero, at least from what I've been 
trying to check out. Um, there have been zero rumors I've been hearing about anybody on the um, Red Sox being traded. Even as recently as five hours ago, when Red Sox executives told uh, told reporters, uh, excuse me, when Xander Bogarts told reporters after Thursday night's win over Cleveland, that executives have told him he's not going to be traded this summer. Um, which apparently surprised some people because there have been reports out there about um, him potentially being a trade piece. But here's the thing. There are potentially listening offers for J.D. Martinez from what it looks like. Um, Nathan Eovaldi possibly. Like there's all there's there's a few pieces that they could potentially sell if they really want to do that. Um, the question is, do they pull the trigger or do they stay put? That's what it comes down to. Um, so that's where that's at with the Red Sox. Um, they have three at home against Milwaukee Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then they go to Houston for three Saturday. Uh, excuse me, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, and that's how their schedule plays out going into next week. Uh, before we get into the New York Mets, just want to remind you, this New York baseball segment coming up is brought to you by our friends over at Johnstone Supply and Choice. Summer keeps rolling along. We still have heat and humidity coming in and out of the area constantly over the next number of weeks leading up to Labor Day. And that means you're going you're gonna to want to stay cool over the next month or two while the temperatures are still hot, hot, hot. And that means you got to call Johnstone Supply and Troy. Ask the team about their high-efficiency central AC systems and ductless mini-splits, including Goodman, Fujitsu, and Westinghouse. All those in stock and at great prices. And if you need someone to help install the new system, not a problem, because you can talk to Tom, Ked, James, Bird, any of the boys over at Johnstone Supply and Troy, 2600 6th Avenue in Troy. They will get you the hookup with a cooler place to sit around this summer. That's 518-272-5922, or you can check out 2600 6th Avenue in Troy. Again, 518-272-5922, or you can also check them out online, johnstonesupply.com. As we move ahead, the New York Mets. I can't make heads or tails about this squad right now. Um, now, granted, they just took a short two-game Subway Series against the Yankees. Um, after, that comes after losing two of three at home. To the Padres, just a, a just a lot of head scratch with this team, as far as trying to figure out where they're at. They're sixty one and thirty seven, three clear of Atlanta, four in the loss column in the East, and now they go to Miami, who's five games under five hundred for three. Then they go to Washington Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, who's dreadful and in last place by a long shot in the in the East. And have the worst record of baseball. Could this be the medicine the Mets needed to get themselves back on track as the trade deadline approaches and eventually passes over the next six days? Potentially. Um, what they did do, though, is late last night, uh, right around 9.45, 10 o'clock, the news broke. Uh, excuse me, around 10.45, 11 o'clock, because I'm reading Central Times right here. Um, they did trade... Jose Acuna 
uh, right-handed prospect in the low minors as well, second baseman Hector Rodriguez. They traded them to the Reds for outfielder Tyler Naquin and minor league reliever Philip Deal. Um, Naquin, excuse me, Naquin has been an obvious trade candidate for the Reds as well as Luis Castillo. Naquin gets the bite first. Um, he's a former first-round pick from Cleveland, you, if you recall. Had a great rookie season back in 2016. His offensive productivity has been kind of up and down. Um, well, it was up and down with Cleveland. Um, but has proven to be a solid platoon bat um, that can play the outfield as well. He did sign a minor league deal with the Reds last offseason uh, and then made the opening day roster for this season. Um, and so far he has, or excuse me, he made the opening day roster last year. Um, so he signed in the offseason leading up to the 2021 season that made the opening day roster after all. It is year and a half in Cincinnati, uh, 264, 324, 462 slash. Um, so he's now put him, they now, the Mets have now put themselves into a situation where they have a lot more flexibility in the outfield. They can make McNeil a more permanent fixture at second base, which means Guillaume can now become a permanent fixture at third base. So all things are making a lot of sense now. Um, now, obviously, Naquin is not a name that's going to splash to a lot of people, but it's a solid. It's a solid. It's a solid get. All right. It's not. It's not splashy, but it will get the job done to ensure better flexibility in the outfield as far as options for Buck Showalter and to lock in McNeil at second and not having to constantly flex about into the outfield when Canha or Nimmo or Marte need at least a half day off. Um, he could also, and also you can use Nate Quinn as a guy that can DH, you know, you can use him with Daniel Vogelbach, who the Mets picked up. Um, you can use him with Dom Smith. Um, you can rotate him with JD Davis. You, you, you now have a lot better depth overall. Um, I'll be very interested to see what happens here with the Mets, though, because you would think going forward they need to address the bullpen because Drew Smith and Colin Holderman both went on the IL this week. And so for the Miami series, they're calling up Steven Nogasek and Sam Clay. But you got to think if the Mets do anything moving forward, the next 109 hours, as I mentioned earlier when talking about the Red Sox, it's got to be going out to get a bullpen arm because Drew Smith has a strained lap muscle. Uh, he's on the 15-day DL now as of yesterday afternoon. And, you know, it's there's talk about them being all about David Robertson and getting him away from the Cubs. Um, other than that, that's really the one main person we're hearing about. Um there was brief talk about Josh Bell from the Nationals, but that hasn't really gone anywhere. Um, yeah, that's that's where the Mets are at. So they the real thing is they really need to go after a bullpen arm. That's the big thing, especially with um, the injuries that have happened this week to their bullpen. The, the Mets, they, they need to figure – now, granted, they still have Edwin Diaz, which is tremendous. That's amazing. That's great. Um and you still have, pardon me as I scroll through the roster quick, uh, I didn't have it open. Um, obviously, you still have Diaz, you still have Seth Lugo, you still have Adovino, um, Trevor Williams. 
but you're lacking lefty depth from the bullpen and just depth overall, period. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. You're also still trying to get through uh, Tyler McGill being on the IL, but obviously with Jacob DeGrom making his rehab start back on Wednesday in Syracuse, um, there's talk that he'll be back in the rotation uh, sometime, it looks like, early next week. Um, to be more specific, DeGrom, four innings, two hits, four and runs, three walks, six Ks, 67 pitches. Uh, all fairness, three of those four runs came on one swing of the bat, which was a three-run homer he gave up. Um, but it looks like August 2nd, so trade deadline day, ironically, um, which would be Tuesday, uh, that game in Washington is a good guesstimate for when the Mets will put DeGrom out there for his Mets season debut uh, down in the nation's capital. Real quick before we get into the New York Yankees, a uh, quick reminder about our friends over at Mohawk Honda. Yeah, Mohawk Honda, they are looking, they'll look all over their lot as well as all over the state, even up and down the eastern seaboard to get with a vehicle that fits your budget and lifestyle. But don't forget that also right now it's a real opportunity for you, the customer, to trade in or sell your vehicle as Mohawk Honda. Yeah, they're buying cars, and in some cases, they're going to be able to, to to buy it off you for more than you paid for it. Why is that? Well, the supply chain is still facing challenges, which is creating a tremendous selling opportunity for you, as it has for months on end, especially with the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer that has been going on throughout this time at Mohawk Honda. So as always, the team, they're looking to make the buying and selling experience very easy for you. Very, very, very consumer friendly. So talk to our buddies over there. Cars with Kern Svoboda, Trav Landry, Luis the VIP Mamorales, my boy Cam McKenna. Or just go right to the horse's mouth. Talk to the man in charge, General Manager Greg Johnson. They will look to not only get you the best dollar on your used vehicle, but also make sure they get you the best new or certified pre-owned used vehicle in your hands to fit your budget, your lifestyle, your family size, the whole nine, and they'll do it because at Mohawk Honda, Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia, they want to buy your car, and they always go out of their way to please you. Bada boom, realest guy in the room. Now we get to the New York Yankees. You want to talk about a struggle boss that I can't make, uh, as much as I can't make heads or tails about the Mets, and if they're on the good side of the tracks or the bad side of the tracks, I kind of feel the same way about the Yankees right now. Now, that doesn't mean freak out, freak out. Know what I'm saying? Um, they lose both ends of the doubleheader last Thursday at Houston. I'm kind of whatever on that. Um, they end up taking two out of three at Baltimore over the weekend. Then they come to City Field, lose both to the Mets. Um, I am still of the opinion you don't panic yet, especially because, oh, I don't know, maybe because you have a crazy-ass lead in the ALE still, despite the struggles you've been kind of going through lately, you still have a, a an 11.5 game lead over Toronto, who every time it seems like they're going to go on a hot streak, they don't. Like, they kind of shoot themselves in the foot, essentially. So... I, I would not freak out. Would not freak out at all. Um, to the people that are freaking over the fact the Yankees have lost 5-7 to Houston during the regular season, I also say don't freak out because the playoffs, 
are always way different than the regular season. Um, regular season, you, there's a lot of different factors going into that. But if you're going to go into a seven-game series, because let's face it, Houston and, the, and New York are not going to face off in the ALDS. You, we're, you're going to have the Yankees and Houston as the one and two seeds. Uh, and Yankees are two games clear of Houston for the uh, best record in the AL. And they are, I believe, percentage points ahead of the Dodgers for best record in baseball, period. Because um, the Dodgers are 66 and 32, Yankees are 67 and 33. So I believe percentage points wise, that puts the Yankees still ahead of them barely. But um, as far as the American League is concerned, you're going to have the Yankees one, Houston two. So they're not going to meet in the division series. If they meet, it's going to be the ALCS. So that means you're going to have a seven-game series. I'd be willing. Um, I'd be willing to put the Yankees' offensive lineup against the Astros' lineup any day of the week, especially now that they went and got Andrew Benintendi on Wednesday night. And we'll cover that trade in a second. But just think of it this way. This is potentially your off-season starting lineup. Uh, not off-season, uh, your postseason starting lineup. Trevino slash Higashioka catcher, depending on who's pitching. Rizzo at first, Torres at second. IKF at short. LeMahieu with third. Just hear me out on this. LeMahieu with third. Benintendi. That's the one interesting part about the Benintendi trade. Do you move Judge back to right, or do you keep Judge in center? Well, let's just let's just call him the outfield. Judge, Stanton, Benintendi, and Hicks, and whoever you don't use in the outfield, you can put as your DH. Which means Carpenter can be a quality bat off the bench. Um, and Gallo becomes a non-factor. So you're at a and plus you'll be you'll have an expanded roster, so you can have Andujar on your bench with Marwin Gonzalez. You could have Tim LaCastro on your bench, along with Marwin Gonzalez and Andujar. Um, so now you're really factoring out Joey Gallo. So now the question becomes: If you're the Yankees. With Severino on the 15-day IL, and hopefully come back soon. And Domingo Herman, we're not able to make heads or tails about what's up with this dude. Because in two starts, he has an ERA. He's basically almost giving up a run per inning. Let's just put that out there. So, do you trust Domingo Herman? Because we know we trust Seve, we trust Garrett Cole, we trust Nestor. Is that a solid enough three? And then we'll add Tyone and Montgomery as 4A and 4B. Is that a solid enough rotation for you, or do you need to go get another arm? Do you go get a Luis Castillo, for example? Um, I've been pounding the payment for Luis Castillo to be a Yankee. Um, really to be anywhere except Cincinnati, honestly, because uh, he's wasting his time and efforts there. Um, but here's the other part of it, though. 
What's wrong with calling J.P. Sears back up? J.P. Sears has been killing it again down in AAA. When he was in the majors, he was killing it. 3-0, and 205 ERA in seven games uh, and seven appearances. Two games, two of them starts. Only allowed five runs on 14 hits. Had a 3-1 to strikeout to walk ratio. Like, what's the problem with J.P. Sears? His whip was under was under .9. It was at .86. What's, what's wrong with getting J.P. Sears back up on the squad? Because... I, I, I'm done with Jonathan Loisega. I think everybody that's anybody is done with the role Chapman. Um, and now Michael King's out for the season because he has a, a fracture in his pitching elbow, which came from the most harmless looking thing. It looked, he literally just threw a pitch and next thing you know, he's out of the game. Miguel Castro still on the IL, which means we have a bullpen that's relying on and this is no offense to these guys because they're actually doing well, but this is a bullpen relying on Clark Schmidt and Ron Marinaccio, essentially, to be working behind Clay Holmes, Wani Peralta, and Louis Lukey. So to me, you don't need to trade for a bullpen arm. You can. You can. But if you're the Yankees, you have J.P. Sears, and that's that could be your solution. And that's not a problem at all. You call up J.P. Sears, that probably solves your bullpen issues right there and then. Especially with Miguel Castro eventually coming back. Now, I'm not saying Miguel Castro's anything crazy, but at least, you know, at least he has 32 games of MLB experience this season. So it'll work out fine. So really the question just becomes at this point, you got Benintendi, great, which means you're probably out on Juan Soto, which we'll touch on in a moment. So then what? Um... I think you're you're at a point where and by the way, Stanton's on the IL with left Achilles tendonitis. He'll probably be back within two to three weeks, so I'm not freaking out over that either. Um so they trade they trade uh the Yankees end up trading two top twenty five prospects and um a guy who was a competitive balance draft pick in Chaplin. Let me get pull up the story here real quick. Uh, Beckway, a right hand, right handed, right hander pitcher, Beckway, number 19 in the uh, number 19 prospect. Left handed pitcher, TJ Sikama, who was number, excuse me, Way was 21, Sikama was number 19 in the prospect list. And then Chandler Chaplin, who was acquired originally as a competitive, um, excuse me, no, Chaplin was the, the draft pick. Sikama was the competitive balance draft pick in 2019. Um, Sikova was one and one with a 248 ERA in 10 starts for Class A Hudson Valley. Chaplin, 23 years old, two and five with a 430 ERA in 15 starts in Class A Tampa. Uh, way fourth round pick, uh, five and five, 373 ERA in 15 starts with Hudson Valley. So, in the end, you you really fleeced the Royals on this one. You got an all star outfielder for. Two prospects that weren't really high in your organizational list as it is anyways. They're all Class A guys. It worked out in the end for you. So in a way, you kind of fleeced. Because let's be honest, out of those three, how many of them are really going to get to the majors and be something? And this isn't me trying to knock those three guys. It's just be honest. Like, in the end, they're prospects. The Yankees want MLB-ready guys to help them win right now. All right? Um, 
as much as I love growing a farm system, and let's not like you, you got to do what you got to do. Um, at the same time, you take a look at things with the farm system. Um, the Yankees prospect list, like here, here's the thing: the Yankees are loaded with shortstop prospects. They have three of their top six prospects in the minors right now are shortstops: Anthony Volpe, Oswald Peraza, and Trey Sweeney. If you really want to go get, um, out of those three, I would trade Peraza first because Volpe is MLB ready. Trey Sweeney is potentially MLB ready. So if you want, and I'm gonna double check real quick the whole contract situation for IKF. Don't remember how long his contract is. Okay, so IKF is up for arbitration for next year, and then he's a free agent after the 2023 season. If you want, you can let IKF walk and call up Volpe or Sweeney to be your opening day shortstop next year and save yourself roughly, what is that going to be, like a $4 million difference? Let me try to see if I can find, yeah, they don't even have Volpe or Sweeney listed on here. But their contract is probably, it's a rookie deal, so I'm assuming it's probably going to be in the at most a million dollars. So you're going to save yourself three and a half to four million by bringing up Volpe or Sweeney as your opening day shortstop next year. Because everything reads they're, op- they're, they're major league ready. It's just a matter of getting the opportunity. So I'd assume one of, if not both of them, end up on the 40-man in September. Um, obviously, you still have Jason Dominguez. You still have Austin Wells, the catcher. You have Ken Waldachuk, a lefty arm down in the minors. Um, Luis Gill, we've seen a little bit in the majors this year. There's still talent in the minor league system where if you need to, there's enough depth where if you could find a suitor that really wants a shortstop of the future, that'll be ready within a year or two. Oswald Peraza is a fine option. Um, Because to me, you can look at Volpe and Sweeney as your whole left side of the infield for the future. Because Donaldson has one year left guaranteed on his deal for 2023, and then there's a team option for 2024, the last year of his deal. So you're in a situation where do you go with that? Or on the other side of it, let me look at Glaber. Glaber is arbitration eligible after this season. They gave him a one-year deal for 6.25 in arbitration. I believe it was arbitration this year. So you're in a situation where you could hypothetically get rid of Glaber if you want to. Not this, not right now. I'm talking off-season. Now, yes, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm just saying. There's talent there. There's no need to panic if you're a Yankees fan. Just relax. You still have prospects. It is what it is. Uh, Yankees, by the way, they walk off Aaron Judge solo homer against Kansas City last night. Three more at home at the stadium against Kansas City. And then the Yankees go out west to the Mariners Monday through Wednesday. Um, And then let's see. Is this going to be one of those stupid... Give me a second here. Is this one of those stupid... Let's uh, send them out to the West Coast for one series and then back to the East 
or they actually give them a legitimate run out west in the schedule. Because remember how I mentioned that earlier in the season. Um, or excuse me, no, they host Seattle for three. My apologies, I read the schedule wrong. They're hosting Seattle for three. So this is a seven-game homestand for them, four with Kansas City, three with Seattle. Then they go out to St. Louis for next weekend before going to Seattle. Again, so this is what I was talking about. St. Louis, not too far away, only one time zone difference. They jump from St. Louis to Seattle. And then, yes, you have a, a travel day in hand because they'll have Thursday the 11th off. They ain't going from Seattle back to Boston. Like, what's the point? What's the point? Because you still have there's they still have trips out to Oakland and LA for the Angels at the end of August. Right. There's some times where I really wonder who makes this goddamn schedule. But anyways, um, so that's that. I'm not too worried about the Yankees. We'll wait and see what happens at the trade deadline. Um, again, we're looking at a hundred. 108 and a half hours based on right now because it's 5.30 in the morning, Friday, July the 29th. So um, in four and a half days' time, we will find out where things stand. Um, so that does it for this episode, episode 17 of Katie's Corner. Um, be on the lookout um, because I'm considering, depending on the way things work out with the Mohawks playoff schedule, I'm considering potentially doing uh, some kind of live stream Tuesday late afternoon um, to cover the trade deadline and see if anything does happen with the Yankees, Mets, or Red Sox. So be on the lookout for that. That announcement will come on my Twitter, at Brian Cady, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-D-Y. Um, and that's that. So in the meantime, enjoy your weekend. Try to stay cool. Try to stay dry. And, uh, yeah, that does it for episode 17, presented by Godzilla Media. Our friends at Mohawkanda, Johnson Supply and Troy, the Albany Empire, and SeatGeek. In the meantime, enjoy your baseball, folks. We'll catch you again next week.